So, Bob, nice hair. <laughs> oh, hey, thank you. I love it, man. You look good. You look like your mother. Oh. <laughs> with the beard. Well, well, your mother doesn't have a beard. No, I mean, no, she doesn't. Yeah. But she doesn't have dark hair like this. It was, it was, my ear was tucked under. Well, that looks really good. I'm free. So, tell them what this is. This is a melodica. It's a cross between a harmonica and an accordion, somewhat. Okay. And what are we going to play? We're going to play Power in the Blood. Right. Very, very slow arrangement of this. Boring. Boring. Yes. Okay. So, hit it. Where's our orchestra? We're excited to share the teaching ministry of our good friend, Dr. Ray Pritchard. Ray is just, you called him unique. Yeah, very he unique. is unique and yep. one of a kind, but a great communicator of spiritual truth. Here's part two of the message that he shared at America's Keswick. You don't want to miss this segment. Let's watch.
Now watch this. If this is Machaerus down here, Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea, John the Baptist is way down here. Jesus is up here in Galilee, 50, 60, 70, 80 miles away. John the Baptist in prison on all of his discouragement and despair. He says to him, go find, go find him. He's up in Galilee. Go find him and ask him, are you the one? Or should we look for someone else? So here go the disciples of John. The, see this? This is the international symbol for the disciples trying to find Jesus, okay? <laughs> Making the long journey. Three or four or five or six days. Finally, they find Jesus. He's up in Galilee. And when they find Him, it's during the day. And Jesus has a great crowd of people. And He's preaching to them. And evidently, when the disciples of John the Baptist find Jesus, they do not wait. That is on such an urgent mission. They interrupt the Lord in the middle of His sermon. And they say, Our Master has a question for you. And because Jesus respected John the Baptist, He wasn't bothered. He said, Okay, what's the question? They said, Our Master wants to know. Are you the one who is to come? Or should we look for someone else? I want to stop here and say something to you. I have read, I have read the commentaries on this passage. And you know what? There are some good men who when they come to the story of John the Baptist are really bothered. They are bothered that a good man like John the Baptist who was a great preacher, could ever have such a crisis of faith. And some of them, some of them even, even that they, at least in my opinion, they come to the story and they kind of tiptoe around it because it's embarrassing to think that a true man of God could ever go through a period of doubt. And I want to say, look, I understand, because in one sense, I'm troubled about it too, because wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You guys who know the Bible, you know that John had known the answer to the question because earlier, earlier, much earlier, what had John the Baptist said when Jesus came to him to be baptized? What did he say? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he also said in John 1.34, I bear witness, this man is the Son of God. So however you explain what's happening down in the prison, there was a time when John was completely clear about who Jesus is. So I stop and ask myself, I mean, this is kind of a kind of a head scratching kind of question. How do you get from that kind of certainty to being so unsure, so doubtful that you're sending your men up there to ask, look, are you the one? Because if you're not, I want to find out who is the right one. How do you get from that kind of certainty to this kind of doubt? Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a personal answer. Now you remember on Sunday night, I mentioned my little book, an anchor for the soul, my gospel book. Remember when I held up that letter from a prisoner? I told you we that book's got a million copies in print. Over our ministry's given away over eight hundred thousand copies. And I told you we have received over twelve thousand letters, nearly all of them from prisoners, all of them handwritten because they don't have computers in prison. Almost always, almost all of them exactly like the letter I read to you on Sunday night. And most of them saying, I read the book and I've come to faith in Jesus Christ. Well, look, I started reading those letters. I read them by the dozens and then I read them by the hundreds and I read them by the thousands and I learned something that I didn't know. There, there, you know, God's doing things in prison. He's building His church behind prison bars. He's doing His work there. But I had Christian prisoners they would write me and they would say, Pastor Ray, you on the outside have no idea. You have no idea. You can't even imagine what goes on in this place. If I told you, you wouldn't believe it. One man wrote me and said, 
I would be better off dead for my family than being here in prison because I'm completely forgotten anyway. One fellow wrote me and said, this place is Satan's playground. Things go on here that people on the outside never know about. And after you read a couple of thousand letters like that, you come to a conclusion, at least as far as I'm concerned, I think there's no place on earth darker than the inside of a prison cell. There's no place more guaranteed to beat you down. No, no, no place on earth and, and no setting more guaranteed to cause you to begin to question everything you thought you knew was true. And I think that's what's happened to this good man, John the Baptist. You go to jail, you're in Machaerus, you're on the top of the hill, you're in a dungeon, it's hot, it's sweltering, it's day after day, and week after week, and month after month. And not only is there no appeal, there's really no hope of ever getting out. And finally, I think it just began to play on his mind. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I made a mistake. I, let, let's go ask Jesus. we got to be really sure about this. I think that explains exactly what's going on here. Now listen, listen. Here come the disciples of John the Baptist. Wait, remember, 50, 60, 70, 80. It's four or five, six days on the road to get from Machaerus up here to Galilee. They get to Jesus. And they ask Him the question, are you the one who is to come? Or my Master wants to know. Or should we look for someone else? And I want to stop. We're going to read Jesus' answer in just a second. I just want to say before I read His answer, you know, He didn't do what we do. If somebody comes to us and says, I'm struggling with doubt, we, we can be pretty rough inside the church. What is wrong with you? Just pray some more. Read some more. We make people feel bad about that. Jesus doesn't make His man feel bad. He gives him the answer he needs. Here is the answer that Jesus gives, beginning in verse 4. Jesus up here in Galilee says to the disciples of John the Baptist, I want you to go back. Go back and tell John what you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Here's the whole answer. whole answer is right here. He could have said, go back and tell John, I'm the fulfillment of all the messianic prophecies. That's true. He didn't say that. He could have said, go back and tell John, I can walk on water. That's true. He didn't say that. He could have said, go back and tell John, I make the Pharisees look like fools. He didn't. That would have been true. He didn't say that. He just said, go back and tell John that in my name, the blind now see. In my name, the deaf now hear. In my name, the lame now walk. In my name, the lepers are cleansed. In my name, the dead are raised. In my name, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Just go back and tell John what you have seen and what you have heard. Go back and tell John the power of my name. By the way, this is what the world wants to know. This is the question. Where is the power that can break the chains of sin? Where is the power that can save my marriage? Where is the power that can break my addiction? Where is the power that can bring my prodigal son back home? That's all he said. Just go back and tell John the Baptist of the power of my name. That's all he needs to know. And believe it or not, believe it or not, all that I've said so far, that's just the introduction to my message. And all God's, people, all God's people said, oh no. <laughs> I 
God, drink some more water here. <laughs> oh, but here's the deal. Really, truthfully, everything I've said, everything I've said, I've said so I can get to this point right here. Where's John the Baptist? Where is he? Where's prison? It's over there. Over there. It's over here, right? Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea. What's that? What's that in the first row? That's you guys are sitting in the Mediterranean Sea over there. <laughs> Try to keep your feet dry. Okay. Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea. Where's John the Baptist? He's sweating it out in a prison, a prison dungeon on top of a hot hill in the midst of the wilderness in, on the east side of the Dead Sea. A more hopeless situation no one could imagine. Here's John the Baptist. Where's Jesus? Jesus up here in Galilee. 50, 60, 70, maybe 80, long way, many days walk, okay? The disciples have come to Jesus. Watch this. They've asked their question. They've gotten their answer. Now they are turning. Watch this. They are turning to begin the long journey back, Galilee, down the Jordan River, other side of the Dead Sea, back to their master and Machaerus. It's a long way back. Look at what verse 7 of Matthew 11 says. Verse 7 says, as the disciples of John were leaving. Remember, I said Jesus was preaching to a great crowd and they interrupted him. So they asked their question and get the answer. Now they're leaving as they're leaving. But while, watch this, while they are still in earshot, while the disciples of John are still in earshot, Jesus turns to the great crowd. He wants to tell them what he really thinks about John the Baptist. So the disciples, he says it so the disciples can hear it. And that's part of what they're going to tell their boss when they get down to the prison. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus in Galilee begins to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? No! What did you go out to see? man dressed in fine clothes? No! You go to the king's palace to see that. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes! I tell you... And more than a prophet, I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where is John when Jesus says those words? Where is he? He's down here in prison. He's 60, 70, 80 miles away. He is still in his doubts, still in his despair, still in his gloom, still in his despondency. He hasn't gotten the answer back yet. You know what Jesus is saying? John may doubt me, but I don't doubt him. He's still my man. Doubts and all, he's still my man. Jesus knew that underneath those doubts, there beat a heart that was full of true faith in him. John's doubts didn't disqualify him in the eyes of Jesus Christ. So you know what I really think? I think over the front door of every church in the whole world, we ought to wreck the banner with two words. Two words. Doubters, welcome. Doubters, welcome. If you got doubts, come on in. If you got questions, come on in. If you're really messed up, come on in. If you think we're crazy, come on in. If you want to talk it over, come on in. If you don't know what you know, come on in. Doubters, welcome. Why? Because deep doubt is often the prelude to an even deeper faith. One writer said it this way. Now look at me. One writer said it this way. Doubts, he said, are the ants in the pants of faith. They keep it alive and moving. 
This is the only part of my sermon you're going to remember. <laughs> Doubts of the ants in the pants of faith. They keep it alive and moving. Listen, in the whole history, in the whole history of the church, the greatest doubters often become the strongest believers because once doubt has been dealt with, then you have the bedrock for an unshakable faith. Having said all that, doubt can be dangerous. It can be very dangerous. It's what you do with it that matters. So what are we going to do with our doubts? I want to give you four ways here at the end. How shall we deal with our doubts? Way number one, admit your doubts and ask for help. That's what John the Baptist did. He asked the right question to the right person. I mean, say what you will about doubting Thomas, but at least he, at least he went to the right place to get the answer. You remember the story in Mark 9 of the father with the demonized son who was so gone in demonism, he kept throwing himself into the fire. And Jesus said, I can help you. And what did the father say? He said, I believe Help my unbelief. We've all been there many times. Admit your doubts and ask for help. And I've written it on my notes here to tell you four words. God is not fragile. He's not fragile. He can handle your doubts. He can handle your questions. He can handle your worries. All the stuff that bothers you. He already knows about it. Admit your doubts and ask for help. God can handle it. Number two, act on your faith. Not your doubts. That's really important. Act on your faith. Not your doubts. You wonder, did Noah ever wonder what he was doing? Yeah, probably, but he built the ark anyway. You think Abraham ever had any questions? Yeah, but he left her the Chaldees anyway. You think Moses ever wondered? Yeah, but he led them across the Red Sea anyway. Joshua, don't you think on day four or five, he wondered, what are we doing going around this city? But he kept on marching anyway. I'll tell you this much, Esther certainly had doubts. She didn't know what was going to happen before she went in to see the king. But she said, if I perish, I perish. And she went in to see him anyway. How about Shadrach? How about Meshach? How about Abednego? They have any doubts? They said, our God is able to deliver us and He will. But if not, we still will not bow down. Act on your faith, not your doubts. Number three, doubt your doubts, not your faith. Doubt your doubts, not your faith. Listen, uh, we all go through the dark valley. Some of you are there tonight. Uh, read. You know, it's interesting. You ought to read. If, if you're not reading Christian biography, you ought to read it. Because all the greatest Christian leaders, I mean the best of them, if you read the stories, all of them went through what we call the dark night of the soul. The great preacher, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, I think the greatest preacher ever in the English language, he struggled mightily with depression over and over again. And we know he did because he told us about it and he talked about it. It's not a bad thing to go through the dark night of the soul. It's what you do when you go through that dark night. So let me tell you something. If tonight you find yourself in the slew of despond, if you find yourself in the dark valley of doubt and confusion and despair, if you are walking through that dark valley tonight, and maybe nobody else here knows about it, but you find yourself in that dark valley, i got two words for you. Two words for you. If you're in the valley of despair, the valley of doubt, 
Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. You don't have to stop and build a condo there. Keep going. Keep walking. Keep serving. And if you keep walking in the right direction, eventually God will bring you out of the dark valley and your faith will be stronger because of what you have been through. Doubt your doubts, not your faith. Fourth and finally, keep going back to what you know to be true. Keep going. In the time of doubt, in the time of confusion, you got to go back. You got to stand on the solid rock of God's truth. Keep going back to it. Listen to me. Uh, most important thing I know about this, I'm about to tell you. Too many times we get messed up because we think faith is a feeling. Faith is not a feeling. You know, I know that because feelings change. You're up, you're down, you're here. Faith, if it's your feelings, your emotions change all the time. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is a moment by moment decision to believe that God is who He said He is and He will do what He said He will do. You got it? It's a moment by moment decision to believe God is who He said He is and He will do what He said He will do. Say it this way. Some things you think, some things you hope, some things you know. 2 Timothy 1.12 Paul said, I know whom I have believed. End of Romans 8. For I am persuaded, for I am certain, for I absolutely know that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, in the time of doubt, in the time of despair, in the time of despondency, when you're going through that valley, keep going back to what you know to be true. Stand on the rock of what God has said. Doubts or no doubts, stand on the truth of what you know to be true. Now, I'm a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary. My son Mark, Mark and I both both went to the same seminary about 40 years apart. And, and in one of his messages already, he's mentioned the founder of our seminary who was a proponent of Keswick theology, Lewis Sperry Chafer. And Dr. Chafer, in one of his books, defines believing in Jesus this way. He says, believing in Jesus means trusting Him so much that if He can't take me to heaven, I'm not going to go there. Mm, that's good. Believing in Jesus means trusting Him so much that if He can't take me to heaven, I'm not going to go there. I want you to know I'm good with that. I'm down with that. Jesus is my plan A, and I don't have a plan B. I pushed everything in. I'm going all in on Jesus. All in that Jesus is the Son of God. All in that He was born of a virgin. All in that He worked His miracles. All in that He lived a sinless life. All in that He died on the cross. All in that He rose from the dead. All in that He ascended into heaven. And all in that one day, soon, He's coming back to the earth. All in that the Bible is true. All in that the Holy Spirit lives. All in that everything God has said is true. And a long time ago, I decided to go all in on Jesus Christ. I decided to take my worries and go all in. And take my fears and go all in. And take my doubts and go all in. Take all those mysteries and just go all 
in. And that's what some of us need to do tonight. We need to say, Lord Jesus, with all of our doubts, all of our worries, and all of our fears, we are going all in that Jesus is the Son of God. So I read this somewhere. One who has never doubted has only half believed. Let me say that again. One who has never doubted has only half believed. I feel good. That means I'm a real deal all the way believer. Because I've told you, I have my doubts. I have my worries. I have mysteries. I have questions I can't answer. I see all that. But, 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 I am trusting in the Lord with those doubts and with those worries and with those fears. I'm all in on Jesus all the way. The year was 1822, and a young woman was invited to a dinner party in the West End of London, the fashionable West End of London. She was, had been raised in a Christian home, but uh, had never really nailed it down in her heart. This young woman went to the dinner party, and she met a man there who was a Swiss evangelist by the name of Cesar Milan, very famous in, the, in those decades of the 1800s. He was at that dinner party. He met the young woman, and he asked her, I'd like to ask you, miss, do you believe in Jesus? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Well, she had been wrestling with it, and this just kind of flew all over her. And so she just, sir, that's personal. I do not wish to discuss that. Very angry. And he looked at her and said, Miss, I do not mean to, to intimidate you or to bother you. I just want to know, do you know our blessed Lord? I do not wish to discuss it. She went home, but she couldn't get those questions out of her mind. She's wrestling with them. And a few days passed, and a couple of weeks passed, about a month passed. And what do you know? She was invited to another dinner party in the West End of London. And who should also be invited to that same dinner party but that Swiss evangelist Cesar Milan. And when he saw that young lady, he said, Miss, I don't mean to offend you. I just want to know, have you settled it in your heart that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? By this time, her heart had been greatly softened, and she just said to him, she said to him, I don't know how. I want to believe, but I don't know how. I don't know how to believe in Him. And he said to her, you just come to Him. You just come, to, come just the way you are. Don't worry about anything. Just come to Him just the way you are. And that night, Charlotte Elliott went home and she wrote a poem that has become the most beloved invitation hymn in history just as I am without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me come to thee O Lamb of God I come I come here's something you probably don't know she wrote her own testimony into the song in the third verse which we hardly ever sing but this was her testimony just as I am though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings and fears within, without. O Lamb of God, I come, I come. My doubting brothers and sisters, take heart. Do not despair tonight. Don't let your doubts take you away from Jesus. 
Let your doubts lead you to Jesus. Take your fears and bring them to Jesus. Take your questions and bring them to Jesus. Take your doubts and bring them to Jesus. You know why? Because He never turns an honest doubter away. Let's pray. Lord, take this Word and seal it to our hearts tonight. For those who struggle, draw near by Your Spirit and help us to believe all over again. Thank You for not turning us away when we are weak, fearful, and confused. Lord Jesus, help us to go all in on Jesus with nothing held back. We pray and we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
I love broken and spilled out. And Joyce just has a special way of communicating with our folks, and we want you to know how much we appreciate you and Joyce. So let's talk a little bit about your CD. You've got a CD which is all piano music. Oh, it's a uh, it's been around for a long time. Um, we recorded it actually right before we came to Keswick full time. It's called A Quiet Place. It's about 64 minutes of praise and worship, um, hymns and choruses blended together in medley format. So if somebody wanted to get one of your CDs, how could they do that? Just go on uh, the website here at America's Keswick or call the phone number 1-800... What is the number? 1-800-453-7942. That's good, yeah. Um, And uh, they can order it, but... Your CD, you have a new CD called Like a River Glorious, piano CD. Yes. And we just discovered that it came out on? On YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. I can't believe it. <laughs> like a River Glorious, so check it out. It's listed under Bill Welty Topic. I'm not huh. sure why they called it Topic. And well, you are a topic. Oh, yeah. I'm a topic of a lot of discussions <laughs> these days. So let's talk about the ministry. Some folks are saying, like, what are you doing now? Because everything's closed down. Mm-hmm. What, what are we doing? Uh, I f- to be honest, I feel like we're busier, as busy now as we are when people come and go. But um, because we've been doing the broadcast daily and the podcast, but the addiction recovery ministry continues here. And so all life really is normal for the men and the women here on the property. They're involved in their work therapy programs and counseling. And so um, it's just a busy place, you know. So we want to encourage you to pray for the men of the Colony of Mercy, the students of Barbara's Place. Again, we need your financial support and your prayers. And so if you'd like to give a gift, you can do so by visiting our website, www.americaskeswick.org. Or you can call us at 1-800-453-7942. We appreciate you tuning into the podcast. One of the ways that you can help us is to take the link of the podcast and share it with a friend. Uh, Let them enjoy the teaching ministry and the music. We want you to know today how much we appreciate you. We love you. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you next Wednesday. God bless.